welcome back. Uh, this is part two of Getting Out the Leaven. Uh, last week we were dealing with Matthew 23, and I think we'd gotten up to verse 23, 24. And so what we're going to do today is we'll continue on from where we left off, and we're going to start with verse 25. Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. What we have here, I believe anyways, is, is what's presented is an appearance of being clean, self-restrained, non-involved in carnal matters, yet they are dirty on the inside. They seethe with hidden worldly desires, carnality, and they were full of greed and self-indulgence. We can have all the mechanics, meaning uh, knowledge of the Bible, and appear to be the perfect Christian. But remember when Paul said that just because we know it all does not mean that we are guaranteed a spot in the kingdom. In reality, there is only one salvation issue. Are you the, becoming the type of person that the Almighty would want to give forever to the kingdom? So, I mean, that's that's really the big question here. Are, what are you doing towards that goal? And just because we know Torah does not mean that we have to flaunt it in front of, her, uh, in front of others or uh, beat up others because they don't know as much as us or um, have big debates and discussions and fights because you don't agree with my opinion, I don't agree with yours, and therefore we're completely divided Again, as I've said this before, we're on the same journey. We should have more compassion towards each other and allow each other the room to grow as we progress on this journey. It's something we seem to be desperately lacking uh, for most of us. So where the heart of compassion, uh, it's basically that's the question, where is the heart of compassion towards others? Outward appearance versus inward truth. This is the hypocrisy that Yeshua was speaking about here. Okay, so let's move on to Matthew 23, 27, and 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Again, very similar to uh, verse 25, but this ties right into, like I said, into the previous verse, whereas in the previous verse we were talking about knowledge, here we are talking about physical appearance, and, and Yeshua has to cover all of these areas so that there's there's no room for the Pharisees and the Sadducees to turn around and, and, and well, that doesn't include me, you know, that's, oh, you're talking about them, but you're not talking about me because I do this differently. They exhibit them themselves as righteous on account of being scrupulous keepers of the law, but in fact, not righteous. Their mask of righteousness hid the secret inner world of ungodly thoughts and feelings. They were full of wickedness. Remember what the Almighty says, everything that is hidden will be revealed. We think we are more than we really are, and we have to guard ourselves against those thoughts of becoming more self-righteous. I mean, you could you could take that this point and you could expound on it 
quite a bit. But my point is not to, again, beat you up with, um, you know, multiple definitions, much like, okay, in the Torah, there's, I believe, five or six laws that have to deal with the keeping of the Sabbath. But in the oral commandments, this is what the Pharisees and Sadducees have done, is they have taken those laws and they have added to them. So now I believe there's over 120 of them, 120 laws about what you do, how you do it. Every aspect uh, has been meticulously nailed down when it comes to the Orthodox Jews. And the problem is, is that not only have they made it almost impossible for them to keep it, is that there's no way that anybody outside of them will be able to handle it. And this is the thing that they're talking about. So, you know, they're putting up this front, oh, we're so righteous, but reality is even they can't maintain what they have established. It's a huge, huge issue and, and something that's uh, it, it's just causing problems everywhere. So in Philippines 2.12, uh, along with this 27 and 28 verse, in Philippines 2.12, it tells us to work on your own salvation with fear and trembling, which means that we need to stop and think before we trying to uh, change others because we know, we think that we know it all, which is, of course, an illusion. It's, it's a lie. It's hypocrisy. Because, again, it's, it's taking our arrogance and doing exactly what the Pharisees said. And this is exactly what they thought. We will have no more... Um, we will have more than enough work to do and change if only we take the time to really examine ourselves. Remember sincerity and truth, 1 Corinthians 5, 8. This is the way we need to approach this, this topic of leaven within our lives. We need to be truly sincere and truthful with ourselves if we're ever going to grow and honestly, if we're ever going to be considered uh, worthy of the kingdom. Matthew twenty three twenty nine and 30, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. If you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part in the shedding of blood of the prophets. Again, <laughs> we see this, oh, I wouldn't have done that. That's not who I am. I'm better than that. I, I, I wouldn't have stooped that low, and I certainly wouldn't have killed my, my Savior. We all did. They professed a high regard uh, for the dead prophets of old, and they claimed they never would have persecuted and murdered prophets when, in fact, they were cut from the same cloth as the persecutors and murderers. They, too, have murderous blood in their veins. So contrary to what we may have been told, leaven does not represent sin, per se, but represents hypocrisy and voluntary blindness to the approach of Torah and its application. So the Pharisees received all the woes, because they chose of their own engrandment, if that is even a word, uh, a path where they would choose to be blind to what they see or could see because it served their purpose rather than the Almighty's. It was a voluntary blindness that got them into trouble simply because it threatened their authority, their position, their comfortable lives. 
How many times have we seen that if we really examine not only our lives, but the lives of those in leadership? Yeah, I myself have witnessed it many times. Um, when you go to ask questions, it's like, well, who are you? I went to school and you didn't, and I know better than you. And it's like you're trying to steal everything they got when in reality you're looking for clarity. And this is very much so the same cloth that the Pharisees are or were made of. And unfortunately, I, I believe I have no evidence, and maybe I shouldn't say it, but I believe it's still going on this day. If it wasn't, I believe things would be a lot different. You know, those from the outside, uh, meaning those that are being, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for here, grafted in, would be more welcome in Israel than we are. But because we're not born of Israel, and, and again, here's the problem. They look at it, well, you have to be born an Israelite. But that's not what the Torah talks about. That's not what the scripture says. That has nothing to do with, um, with what Yahweh is looking for. He couldn't care less whether they were, you're born Israelite or not. In the beginning, he gave the Torah to the Israelites, yes. But down the road, those that became Israel were only those that decided to keep the Torah and follow after him. And that's how you become an Israelite. You keep the Torah, you keep the commandments, you keep the feasts, you keep the dietary laws, and so on, and the sabbatical years, and the whole works. And as you grow, you learn, and you adapt, and you become more and more like the Father, in the example that Yeshua gave us. This type of hypocrisy is not like deceit because you are lying to yourself. And then it spreads and you start deceiving the world because on the outside you are saying one thing, but on the inside you have something completely different. And, I've, and I could say that most of us have probably seen that a lot too. Okay. So where did we look for the leaven? The leaven of the Pharisees was evident from their daily walk. In other words, it could be seen by looking at their daily activities. If we look closely and examine our own daily walk, what would we find? Let's go to Psalm 26.1 and see what David says. Psalm 26.1-5 Judge me, O Yahweh, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in Yahweh. Without wavering, examine me, O Yahweh, and prove me. Try my kidneys and my heart, for your loving commitment is before mine eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I have, sat, I have not sat with men of falsehood, nor do I enter with pretenders. I have hated the assembly of evildoers, and I do not sit with the wrong. Okay, so here is David's approach. In verse 1, he says that he walks in his integrity. This is why he was the man after Yahweh's own heart. This seems to be the complete opposite of walking in hypocrisy. So we need to see if in our own walk, we are walking in integrity. If we look up the word integrity, we find in the definition, the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, morally upright. 
If you're serious about this walk, maybe offer up the prayer that David mentioned in verse 2. Examine me, O Yahweh, and prove me. Try my kidneys and my heart. In other words, test me. Let's see if Deuteronomy 8.2, to humble you, prove you, and know what was in your heart, whether you guarded his commandments or not. Let me just make this point. Before you do this, make sure you're ready to ask for this before uh, or because it will come to you and you will be humbled and tested. I have seen too many times in my own life to know not to ask this lightly. He will test you and he will show you what is truly in your heart. Just be prepared because you may not like what he shows you. Now, another point that I wanted to make here is that at the in this verse, it says, try my kidneys and my heart. And I, I pondered that question, why does it say kidneys? Some other Bible translations have the word mind. And reality is, if you look at the what each does, the kidneys and the mind, they are a filter process. The original Hebrew word is translated as kidneys, but I guess it just makes more sense or to everybody who translated to put in mind and a heart, meaning that we have to filter everything through the Torah and into our heart. And if we're doing that, then and only then will we be transformed, change, and then we're ready to be tested because we already know that we're going to be doing everything that we do according to what we have read in his Torah and what it tells us to do. I just wanted to make that uh, simple and clear because when I first read it, kidneys in my heart, what the heck are kidneys have to do with it? But that's what they're talking about. If you were to examine uh, or be examined, let's just put this into a courtroom scenario. If we were to put you up on a stand and examine you, would there be enough evidence there to convict you of being an Israelite, to being a follower of Yeshua, to being a follower of Yahweh's instructions and teaching in his Torah? Is there enough evidence to convict you of walking in belief and truth? Let's look at uh, the book of James, of course, one of my favorite books, but hey, I'm biased. James 1, 19-24 So then, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of Elohim. Therefore, put away all unfilthiness, or all filthiness, and overflow of evil and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your lives. But become doers of the word, and hearers, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. That's the hypocrisy right there. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he was like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what he was like. I got to tell you, when I first read that that verse, the last one there, and looking in the mirror, it just kind of go, what? 
What's that talking about? I, I don't get that. The problem is, and it's a huge problem, when we are looking in the, in the mirror, we see blemishes, cracked skin, wrinkles, pimples, all that yucky stuff. And then we walk away and we pretend that we look fantastic, that we're young and vibrant and there's nothing wrong and I'm beautiful and everything else. Beautiful to Yahweh, yes, but he looks on the inside first, not the outside. But that's what it's talking about here. We ignore the surface because we're only interested in our opinion and since it's us, we're beautiful. So that's what that's talking about and that always used to puzzle me. So James 25 to 27. But the one who looked into the perfect Torah, that of freedom, and continues in it, not because a hearer that forgets, but a doer of work. This one shall be blessed in his doing, if anyone among you thinks he is religious, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is worthless. Right here we have the biggest problem of all, the tongue is the biggest piece of the puzzle for us being like the Pharisees and Sadducees because it is our talk that expresses our hypocrisies. Yeshua said that it was not what goes into a man, but what comes out. This is what he was talking about. It had nothing to do with dietary laws and and nonsense. And I have heard so many believers say that, oh, well, it, you know, it's not what goes into the man, so therefore I can eat pig. Again, taking things out of context to be used for their own purposes is ridiculous, and we need to get past that. So, but this is what he's talking about here, okay? Not the food thing, but about the words, about what comes out of your heart. Because if it was Tor that was in there, it would be Tor that comes out love, meekness, humbleness, compassion, those things. There's also a verse that says, and I'm just quoting, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is where the hypocrisy is evident because when you are trying to put forth the appearance of righteousness and when you open your mouth, the truth is revealed. We need to be constantly examining ourselves so that we do not have this problem. You know, there's a, a saying I heard many years ago. <laughs> I still use it today, but it says, it's better to have people assume you're stupid than open your mouth and prove it. And, you know, it's kind of saying the same thing here. It's better to have people assume that you're ignorant of Torah than to open your mouth and to prove it to them by talking nonsense. It just, it was a thought that came to me. I don't know. Take it for what it is. There you go. All right, so let's examine the scenario where, as we mentioned before, we are going to be put on trial and evidence would be brought forward against you. Now, imagine that Yeshua was going to be spending one year with you, going everywhere with you, uh, where you go, watching everything that you do at home, at work, while you watch television, what you do on the internet, what you do in your bedrooms, what you do in the bathroom. I mean, we're talking everything okay and and not only that but how much time do you spend in prayer or studying the torah 
How do you keep the Sabbaths and the festivals? How do you treat each other? What is coming out of your mouth? And all this will be brought forth before the Almighty, where we will be judged one day. So, what will Yeshua do? Or what would he tell the Father about you in this court case? And what will happen exactly like that? Actually, sorry, it will happen exactly like that. We're told in the scripture that one day we're all going to stand before the Father and we're going to be judged. When exactly I have my suspicions, not I mean the exact day or anything like that, but I mean in the timing of things, I have my suspicions, but again, that's my perspective or, you know, I mean, we're all entitled to an opinion and that's mine. So, but it does say that we're all going to stand before the Father and we are going to be judged and there won't be anybody else there with you that you can blame or that you can turn around and say, well, so-and-so told me this, or my pastor told me that, or, or, well, why didn't you send me somebody better, or why didn't you, well, it's your fault, not mine, which we are so famous for doing. But it will be Yeshua, the son of the living Elohim, that will be up there defending you. At that point we will have to give an answer for everything we have done and said in our lives. And Yahweh will be not fooled by any hypocrisy. So do you have enough leaven, or do you have any leaven of the Pharisees within you? i got to be honest with you. The, the thought of that day scares me to death. As a, as a phrase, I mean, obviously I'm not dead, but... It, it terrifies me, that thought of standing before the Almighty Father and praying that I am enough, that what I've done is enough. To hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, instead of, woe unto you. Anyways, let's move on. In Philippines 2.5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Messiah Yeshua. The key word here is let. That's the hardest part. You can stop the whole process. You don't have to let it be there in you. So what's it going to be, or what's going to be in your mind? Is every thought being taken into captivity? What do you think about, or what do you meditate on, what do you worry about? How much time do you spend in prayer? Again, study, meditation of Torah. Is it as much time as you spend, say, watching television, playing video games, going to the bars? I get nothing. I'm not going to come against any of those things. I'm using them as an example. And I, I, I'm just as guilty. I've had times in my life where I've spent playing games from morning till night and never even looked at the Bible. And sometimes for weeks on end, not playing games, but the idea of not, uh, you know, looking at the Bible, not looking at Torah, not even talking to him, not praying. It happens. Life gets in the way. But what are you doing? You can't feed the engine within you with the stuff of the world and expect to get Torah out of it. It doesn't work that way. You have to put Torah in to get Torah out. This is just another idea that we need to be looking at 
uh, for the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in every aspect of our lives if we are going to walk according to Torah. We no longer have the option to be nice and loving to one person who agrees with us and then badmouth another just because they don't agree with us or say something that we do not like. We have to step past that now and look deeper into ourselves than we have ever looked before. And before our time is run out and we no longer have that time to look anymore. In Lamentations uh, 340, let us search and examine our ways and turn back to Yahweh. The whole point of this process is that we get the opportunity now to examine ourselves in Teshuvah, to turn back, to go back to Yahweh. It says basically the same thing in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourself. Whether you are in belief, prove yourselves. Or do not know yourselves that Yeshua Messiah is in you unless you are disapproved. We need to examine ourselves to see what we believe. Just because you may not have made a confession or just because you made a confession, it does not mean you were in the belief. The only thing that proves is that you are in the belief in your walk. That's it. I mean, this whole thing of saying a prayer of salvation and you're in like Flint or you're, you're in the kingdom, that's, that's just words. Again, I went over this in the first thing, that there's a difference between um, knowledge and wisdom. Well, if you say a prayer, you may have meant it in your heart, but if you do nothing else to back that word, those words up, then that's all they really are, it's just words. We have to be studying to show ourselves approved. We have to be studying to verify what other people are teaching us. We have to be studying so that we can prove it to ourselves and make it part of who we are. James 2.18, I will show you my faith by my works. So it is your works that demonstrate your belief. And your works are in a manifestation of your faith. I mean, that this whole aspect that people turn around and say that, uh, oh, you're not saved by works. Well, you're not. Don't get me wrong. You're not saved by works. And I'm not talking about saved by works. What I'm talking about here is the fact that the works come after you study, after you believe, after you bring it into your heart, and it becomes part of you. This is why it's so important that we study his words. Because without the studying, it's just head knowledge. It's just like, okay, I, I know somebody's name, but I don't know them. Same way with Torah. The only way we make Torah ours is when we study it, like this study on leaven. Once we study it out and we make the, the, the audible choice that we are going to observe these points that we have found out and discovered within his Torah about what leaven is, now we can meditate upon these things. Now we can register them within our heart and our soul and we can make them part of us. And from this point here, now when I go through each day, these thoughts will be on my mind. 
And I will be constantly thinking about them when I'm talking to somebody else or when I'm dealing with another believer or somebody who's further advanced than me or or less advanced than me. And I will not be beating them up. I will not be going, well, you're just stupid because you don't get it. Or why would you even do that? You, you don't belong here. I mean, all that other nonsense. My walk will be changed because I now know the truth. The truth has been revealed to me. And here's the other part about that. Now you are responsible before Yahweh for what you have learned. You can no longer say to him that you will, di I didn't know that. Nope. Sorry. Didn't know. Can't, can't hold that against me. No. See, that does, that's not going to cut it either. So what you know, what you understand, what you believe, then becomes part of who you are and will manifest itself through you towards others. And that, my friend, is your walk. Oh, that's clear. This nonsense, we're not saying by, by works, blah, blah, blah. I, it's like, oh, come on. Let's move past that. 1 Corinthians 11:28 But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So as we head into Passover when we eat of that bread and drink of that cup something that we should be doing every day and I'm not talking about as a ritual where we eat, you know, dry bread and drink of a cup of wine or something along that lines but is drinking or eating of the bread of Torah and drinking the wine of Messiah. And we need to be examining our lives every day as we approach that time to see if there's any living within us. Because if there is, then instead of hearing, well then my good and faithful servant will be hearing, will want to you for acting just like the Pharisees and Sadducees. So that one, that's it. It's a little bit shorter than the first one. That's okay. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody for uh, helping to support Sighted Moon. Um, without your support, we can't do this full time. This takes a lot of work and a lot of effort to put these out and a lot of studying. And we're doing that to help plant seeds. We're not doing it so that you don't have to do it. We still expect you to take this study and to go and look it all up and prove it to yourself. So once again, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Shalom. We at Sighted Moon would like to thank everybody for coming out and listening and supporting this ministry. To learn more, visit SightedMoon.com.